Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, welcome everyone to Word of Life for our new series at the movies. And we're so glad to have you with us, especially if this is your first time here at Word of Life. We just want to say welcome. Uh, I'm Joel, and I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Word of Life. And we're absolutely delighted that you've chose to worship with us. And if you've never been here before, uh, one of the things we want to encourage you in is this. No matter who you are, what your background is like, no matter what you've done, Word of Life is not a museum filled with perfect people. We are a hospital filled with hurting people who have met the great physician who has changed our life. So you don't have to believe like us to belong with us. You don't even have to behave like us to be in this place. We just want to encourage you to keep coming just like we found out that if you get around the great physician long enough, something in you is going to change and be made well. Uh, And so we're super excited to have you here with us. Now, before we do anything else at all, we just want to dive over into God's word. And the passage of scripture that we're looking at today is found in the book of Genesis. So if you brought your Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up with me to Genesis. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. The scripture will also be on the screens. Now, the movie that we just saw was a movie called The Lion King. And for those of you who have never seen it, prepare to be spoiled of of every potential ending uh, that is there. It's the story of a young lion uh, who has this dream of being king. He knows one day I'll be king over this whole place, and he breaks out even to a song of I just can't wait to be king. Now, I'll spare you. I'll not sing it, Uh, but the gist of it is this. When I'm king, no one will tell me what to do. No one will say, be here. No one will say, do this. I'll be able to do as I please. I just cannot wait to be king. And he goes out and he shares this dream with everyone. I mean, he's singing it around the entire Pride Rock. And not everyone was excited to hear his dream. Have you ever told someone your dream and got the less than enthusiastic response than you were planning on getting? And in fact, not only were there some people who were not enthusiastic about his dream, there were some people who couldn't stand him because of his dream, and they sought to ruin it. Most notably, Scar in the movie, who's his uncle. Uh, He goes out to absolutely sabotage his life, and Simba, this young lion, finds himself forsaking his dream. This young lion finds himself dreaming a dream as a young man, but as life begins to disappoint him, this young lion finds himself forsaking his dream. And he learns a new life, and this is a life of survival. He's not trying to live a life of destiny any longer. He's not trying to live a great life, a purposeful life, a meaningful life. He's just trying to survive and, in fact, learns a new motto for his life called Hakuna Matata. What will be, will be. Like, you don't have to make a difference, uh, you're not special. You don't have like this eternal purpose. Just what will be, will be, survive, and just enjoy survival. 
until one night he has an encounter with a love. Any of you can remember when you first fell in love? And he meets his old flame, and this young lion walks in, and Elton John starts singing, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Uh, And sure enough, he can. And he finds himself just drawn to this lion, and she awakens destiny within him by asking him, basically, what are you doing here? What What in the world are you doing living like this? Like, you were made for more than this. There's this whole other life out there that you could be living if you just made a decision to lion up and go after it. And even then, he's still unsure of himself because he looks at his past and he thinks he's gone too far to live a great life. Too much life has passed him by. Too many opportunities wasted. Too many mistakes made to go back, and so he doesn't listen to her. You ever had anyone not listen to you? Try being a pastor. <laughs> so, so you're here, and he's not listening to this, this lion, and he goes over into this place where you see this image where he has an encounter, this is interesting, and an encounter with his heavenly father. And he sees this father who's like in the stars, in the heavens, and the father tells him this. He says, you have forgotten me. And in forgotting me, you have forgotten who you are. You are more, this is the key statement, you are more than what you have become. What about you? Here he has forsaken destiny. He has forsaken purpose, and he's no longer living like a a man or woman of destiny. He's just surviving. He's just hakuna mataring it. He's just going from one bug to the next, trying to remove himself from responsibility. But all the while, he knows he was made for more, and his heavenly father reminds him, you are more than who you are right now. Interesting. Now, as I'm watching this movie, I can't help but to think of Joseph, because I'm a pastor and my mind links everything back to the Bible. Uh, So I can't help but to think of Joseph. And here you have Joseph. He's born of Jacob and his mother, Rachel. And Jacob, who's Joseph's father, had two wives. That worked out as bad as well as you can imagine. It was a train wreck. Uh, And he has two wives, Lee and Rachel, who happen to be sisters, which makes it so much worse. Like, can you imagine how awkward Christmas is? Uh, And some of you think you have a dysfunctional family. So anyway, like he comes into this place where Jacob has his favorite wife, who is Rachel, and she's unable to have children. So Lee, his other wife, Wife has all of these sons, and finally Rachel gets pregnant, and she has this child named Joseph. And Jacob sets his affection on Joseph, and he displays it openly by showing and making him a coat of many colors. Uh, so this coat was amazing. Uh, if preacher sneakers existed back then, he definitely would have been on it. Joseph would have uh, on Instagram. Uh, this thing was just decked out to the nines. No one had anything like it. It was extremely exclusive. And Joseph wore that thing everywhere. (laughs) Have you ever seen someone who just annoyed you by how they flaunted whatever they had? Joseph wore this coat. On hot days, Joseph is still wearing this coat. 
And on top of it, Joseph begins having this dream from God that one day God's going to use his life for something great. That God does not just want Joseph to exist, God wants Joseph's life to make a difference. And in his maturity, Joseph, or his, sorry, immaturity, Joseph, as much like Simba, he sees this through the lens of success. And so he comes to his brothers and he's like, one day all of you guys will be like bowing down to me. And of course, he's like, don't you love my dream? And they're like, no, we hate you. And we hate your dream and we hate your coat and we want to kill you. Uh, And they can't, you know, fathom why he thinks it would be okay to like tell him, uh, them, his dream. And Joseph is unfazed by this. He keeps wearing his coat. He keeps dreaming these dreams. And one day he's walking afar off and his brothers see him. And let's pick up with this in scripture. Genesis chapter 37. And we'll look at verse number 18. And when they saw him afar off, the reason why they were able to see him was because of his coat. Uh, Even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into the pit. And we will say some evil beast has devoured him. And watch this next phrase. And we will see what will come of his dreams. Now, who are you more like? Are you more like Joseph or are you more like his brothers? I'm reading this story this week, and I can't help but to have this thought of how much easier it would have been in Joseph's life if he would have just taken off the coat, right? If he would have just come to his brothers and been like, look, let's, let's be honest. We're all from the same bloodline, like every one of us have the same father. So there's no difference between me and you, and I know like he's given me this coat, but I'm no one special I'm the one like who's better than anybody else. Like there's nothing unique about me. I'm just not going to wear this coat any longer. Like how much easier it would have been for him to just accept the fact that, you know what, I'm, I'm no one special. Here's my coat. I'm not going to wear it any longer. But the more I thought about the story, the more I began to almost kind of be pleased with Joseph. To to almost respect his decision and not take off his coat, but to wear it. To accept the fact that he was a man of destiny. To not be ashamed of his dreams. Like you read the story and it's like, how much easier it would have been for Joseph had he not shared his dreams? How if he would have just had them that kept silent about him? Like if he would have kept silent about his dreams, act like he didn't have them, take off his coat, act like he's no one special, how, how much easier it would have been for Joseph to just act like everyone else and just fit in and not accept any responsibility, just be like everybody else, how much easier it would have been for him. But I began to respect him for not thinking that way. I began, the more I read the story, the more I began to respect Joseph for admitting to himself and to other people that there was something unique about him that he was a man who had a God dream, not just a materialistic dream, but a true God dream, that he was a man of destiny. And here's what I want for us. Let me make it more specific. Here's what I want for you. 
I want you to come into the awareness that before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. And he didn't just know you. No man, no sir. He didn't just know you. He actually made you, crafted you, designed you so uniquely that there is not one person on this earth right now of over 7 billion, nor those who have come before you, nor those who will come after you, who is just like you. With your skill sets, with your passion, with your fingerprint, with your DNA, there is no one ever in the history of the world who was fearfully and wonderfully made by God like you. And the reason why he made you this way, crafted you this way, designed you this way, was because you are a man or a woman of destiny. That God absolutely put you here on this earth for a purpose, with a purpose, to be carried out not just so that you can live a life of success, but because the God dream that God's given you is not just for you to sit in a palace. It's because one day your life will affect the lives of others because you are a person of destiny. It's just much easier to take off the coat. It's just much easier to act like you haven't been given that. It's just much easier to live hakuna matata. Today's the day. What will be will be today. It's just much easier to eat bugs. To settle. To have others in your life remind you who you are and you act like you don't hear them. To, to have times like in church or times like in prayer when you finally get still enough because God's the only God big enough to speak in stillness. To get still enough to have an encounter with your heavenly father where he reminds you that you are more than what you have become. And he designed you for more than what you have right now. The past two weeks, I've been on a mission trip in India and Dubai and had an amazing time. In India, we were with several of the missionaries. All of you support if you give here to Word of Life. Uh, what you give here is twice sown seed. It literally goes all over the world. And one of the ministries that it goes to is one of the ones we were visiting. It's an orphanage. But it's not just an orphanage. It's a school. It's It's amazing. And the guy who's over this, his name is Mark Taylor. He's uh, an Anglo-Indian, so his parents were from Britain and somewhere else, and they resided in India. So he looks Indian but speaks fluent English, like it's like his first language. And this sets him up strategically by God. How many of you know all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made? Like God has perfectly designed him for this role. And the reason why he's not frustrated 
and so many people are frustrated, is he's actually found the fit God made him for. So instead of working against the grace that he has, he's working with that grace, and you can see it all over him. So he's found himself over in the educational field, and he started these schools. One in South India has like 1,500 students. And he saw immediately with India's rising economy, like if you get these schools going, you can earn enough money from the school to actually make it self-sustaining and to actually make enough money to start Bible schools. But then one day he went to Nepal after there was this great like earthquake and things happened. He went over there and discovered something that he was not previously keen or aware of. And it was the mass trafficking that was happening out of Nepal over into Calcutta where people were being trafficked into literal slavery. And when he saw it, something awakened in him, because this is how it works with God. You get around God's plan for your life, something will awaken in you. See, all throughout even Joseph's life, you have this impression that it wasn't just him chasing a dream, it was the dream chasing him. And here's the thing about the call of God on your life, you can leave it, but it doesn't leave you. The gift and the call of God is beyond repentance. I don't care how much sin you've committed. I don't care how far you've run from it. Some of you have done your best to try to outrun it, but wherever you are, there it is, because it's in you. And so God uh, like awakened this desire and this plan in his life to like do something about this, to like be th- this person who would come in and do something. He's like, well, God, what can I do? And then the idea hit him on how to do it. I'll start another school. And I'll make this school profitable just like we made this other one, but instead of it starting just Bible schools, what we'll do is we'll take these kids born out of trafficking. Because here in Calcutta, there are about 30,000 people working in human trafficking, all for just ludicrous things, like uh, things you couldn't possibly fathom. And these kids have grown up in this, and it's the only thing that they know And the government is just kind of turning a blind eye from it. And so what Mark has done is he's come into this place and he starts rescuing these kids. Now here's the thing. Most of the ladies who work in this group of 30,000 grew up as kids who were trafficked and never got out of that system and have grown up in it that are now in their 20s and 30s so they've had kids of their own by this point. And these kids stay in the center. In fact, most of the kids never leave the room. And the people who are over it don't want them to leave the room so that they learn the trade. So what Mark has done, it's amazing, is he bought a whole floor on one of these brothels. A whole floor. And he made it a daycare so the kids could leave the room. But he didn't just make it a daycare, he's made it a Christian daycare. Come on. And they're flat laying hands on these kids, anointing these kids, bathing these kids, washing these kids, feeding these kids, amazing. But here's the end game. They get the parents so used, the mothers so used to dropping these kids out there that they're okay with them taking these kids out of the daycare 300 miles away over into an orphanage where he can train these kids up. Now, here's the thing. Mark knows all these kids are kids of destiny. So you go into the school, and that's where I was this week, or last week, and you walk through there, and you see all these kids. There's like 103 of them. 80% of them came from the brothels. 
They rescued these kids out of the brothels. They rescued these girls out of the brothels. They rescued these boys out of the brothels. Because even with the boys, if the ladies have boys, they take them and teach them how to be traffickers themselves. So from the day of three, four, five years old, they get them used to working the streets so they can convince people in other nations to come into these brothels thinking they're actually going into other workplaces. And this cycle of pain goes from one generation to the next. It's amazing. So Marx gets these boys and these girls out of the system. And he's built this school. And I'm walking around the school because we help support it. We help build it. We help support it. And I'm walking around the school. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I'm coming up to these kids. And I'm talking to them. And they're teaching these kids English. And they're teaching these kids, like, how to be champions and all of these things. And they're like, hello, Mr. Sims. Like, the sweetest little kids on the face of the earth. And what amazed me was this, is you couldn't see the past on them. You you could not see the past on them. And my God, you're so amazing. Like, how many of you know our God's so good and our God's so great and he can go to work so strongly on your life that no matter how bad your past is, he can make it where you can't even see the past on you. That you can actually go through the fire and come out of the fire not even smelling like smoke. That's our God. And I'm reveling in the goodness of God in these children's lives. And I'm hearing them sing, and they're like, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. And I'm like weeping. I'm like, yes, you are. And there is a place for you. Like, have you ever cried ugly? And I meet with Mark later, and I'm like, Mark, it beats all I've ever seen in my life. And I told him what I just told you. I'm like, I can't even see the past on him. And Mark was like, I know. He said, it's amazing. He said, they come out of these environments, and we get them for a year to two years. And by, after a year or two years, and they take them all the way through high school. But after a year to two years, he's like, they're dreaming. He said, Pastor Joel, what I want is I want a 1,000 schools with a 1,000 students in each one where we have 100,000 kids graduating every single year in the nation of India, dreaming of being presidents, dreaming of being CEOs and artists and musicians, all with a Holy Spirit-filled Christian presence on them. He said, Pastor Joel, in this nation, there are 4,000 people who control it. 4,000 people who control this nation of 1.7 billion. And he said, my goal is to train up these kids who came from these broken backgrounds to believe that they're gonna take each and every one of those seats so that we can change the nation from the inside out. And you talk to these kids, they believe they're gonna do it. Like there is no doubt in their mind that they are going to do it. Because somebody got a hold of them and told you, you don't have to take off your coat. You were actually made by God to be special, designed by a heavenly father that lo, your mother may have forgotten you, but God has written you on the palm of his hand. Oh man, somebody told them, you're special. Do you know all those boys in the story were special? Do you know later in Jacob's life, he pulls his sons to him? 
I wanted to jump through, and when I read in the chat, just reach out and slap Jacob in his old age. I'm like, where was that when they were small? All at him at his, at his old age, he pulls him aside, and he grabs Reuben, his oldest son. He's like, you know who you are, Reuben? You're my power. You are my strength. You are my glory. We said, you've been undisciplined as water. Water knows no boundaries. You have a, a, a thing of water here right now. You take it out of its boundary, it'll slip through any crack. And what he's telling his son Reuben is, Reuben, you have all the strength in the world, but because you've been undisciplined, your strength doesn't matter. When you find a way of escape, you just take it. When there's an easy way out, you just get out of it. And when I read that, I'm like, it's too late, Jacob. Jacob, why couldn't you tell Reuben when he was 10 and he's watching his youngest brother, Joseph, have this coat on, thinking Joseph's the only one special in your eyes? Why couldn't you tell Jacob? Jacob, why couldn't you tell Reuben in that moment, you are my glory, and tell that to each and every one of those boys? Instead of them having to tear down Joseph's dream, knowing that they were men of destiny too. Because here's the thing, I don't care if you never had a father tell you. I don't care if you never had a mother tell you. I'm telling you now, and the spirit of the living God is telling you. you got a heavenly father who is looking at your life and saying, you were sent here by me, created by me. You were sent here on purpose, for a purpose, and you are more than what you have become. He said that there were two little girls who he had just gotten like a week and three days ago out of this, this brothel, just gotten them out. And he said, I came up to him and I began to introduce myself. And he said, I asked him, what do you want to be? What do you see yourself doing? Because he views one of his biggest jobs is to not just get an education in them, but to get vision in them on where they can take that education. What do you want to be? And one of them spoke up and she said, I want to be a maid. See, because out of her previous environment of seeing nothing but all of this abuse, a maid was such a better life. That was as far as she could see. I want to be a maid. That's what I want to be. Because as a maid, you can make money, but you don't have to, you know. He said, I looked down at that little girl. I got on her level and I, I looked in her eyes. He said, I bought property right by the airport. Not just so it would be an easy place for me to get on a plane and do the things that I believe God wants me to do in this nation. But for moments just like this, and he said, it was like the handiwork of God, an airplane flew overhead. He said, I looked at that little girl and I said, you see that airplane? He said, you listen to me, sweetheart. You can be a maid if that's what you want to be. But he said, with God, you can get on airplanes like that and you can go all over the world. And when he told me that story, immediately tears began to well up in my eyes because as a little boy, I can remember my father. He passed away when I was 17, but I can remember him taking me out to airfields 
and showing me the airplanes. And he would look at me as a little child and he said, Joel, God's gonna take you all over the world. Now here's what amazes me about the human spirit. When they were building the Tower of Babel, it was against God's plan. But God had to come down and stop it because he said it is so big in them that that which they have imagined to do will not be restrained from them. That's the power of the human spirit. You were made in the image and likeness of God. If it gets in you, seriously, if it gets in you, it is only a matter of time before it comes on you. Which is why all of heaven and hell fight for access to your heart. And it's also why the scripture says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow what? The issues of life. You know what that word issues means? You look it up. You check me on it. You know what it means? Boundaries. It means your life will never move further than your heart. So if all you see is made, all you can be is made. Your life can't move beyond your heart. And what God is strategically doing through the hand of Mark is coming out removing those boundaries. Now, I'm thinking about this the other day. I was at Primo's, drinking some coffee, going over this message. And I'm thinking about this little girl who's sitting there talking about being a maid and having Mark coming in and saying, there's nothing wrong with being a maid. You want to be a maid, you can be a maid, but if you also want to go all over the world, God can take you all over the world. And I'm thinking about this little girl. And as I'm thinking about this girl, I'm thinking about what I would want her to do. How I would want her to see that there are no limitations that are on you, that God really can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think according to the power of the living God which is at work on the inside of you. I'd want to dream of her being the the first Indian prime minister who was ever a Christian. I'd want her to dream of someone who believed that she could step out of any shadow of her past or sin or fault or failure and to go after life with everything that she's got. Now here's what I know. I'm not the only one who wants that for her. I dare say you would want that for her too, right? You would want that for her. No matter who you are, you'd want her to walk away from that past and to go after a future. Now here's the question I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to ask you. Why would you want more for her than you do for yourself? You are a woman of destiny. A man of destiny. One of the issues with Mark that he has is he's got business people who come in and like build these schools, but they also need monthly support for each one of these children. And so we're coming up with ways to get monthly support for each child. And one of the things that happens in these brothels is that the children can't leave the room. So even like as toddlers, what they'll do, and it, I just... It breaks my heart to even talk about it. But one of the things that they'll do is they'll tie a string to the bed and a string to the foot of the baby so it can't crawl out of the room. And we're sitting here talking about, you know, how can we collect more funds and resources and humanity take on a greater responsibility to like help these children and to help these ladies. And one of the guys who was on the trip, his name's Ramsey, he's just an amazing just man of faith. And 
He said, like, I have this image in my mind. Like, have you ever seen an elephant? It's like a little baby elephant who was captive in a zoo. And they didn't want him to run off, so they took his ankle and they tied a, a rope to it and tied one end to the, the, the elephant's foot and the other end to a stake in the ground. And that little baby elephant just tries to pull and pull and pull away at that stake, but the stake is too far in for it to pull away. And this elephant over time just begins to grow stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And at any moment, this elephant could pull that stake out of that ground. But because something in its past has told him you can't, why try? Because something has taken his coat off and said you're just normal. You're just all your life going to be captive. That elephant as a full-grown male, a full-grown female could easily pull that stake out of the ground but refuses to because something in his past told him it was too hard. He said, Mark, what you're doing is you are cutting the strings off of those baby elephants. You are separating them from these things that used to bind them and show them their future is not in this brothel. Their future is not on these beds. Their future is not in this place. And you are taking them and allowing them to see at a young age that your future is as big as God, that your future is as great as God, that your future is as powerful as the Lord Jesus himself. And later, as they become full-grown people with the, the power of the human spirit, will take these dreams and believe that all things are possible. And I got to thinking about that. And we're going to help them make the video and all those things. Cutting the strings. Letting these elephants know they're free. Letting these children know just how powerful they are. And I can't help but to wonder how many people in this room are just like that. That you've never even gone after greatness because you looked at Joseph's all your life and just thought you were Reuben. That it's just for other people. It's just for other people to kind of go after it. It's just for, and I don't, I don't have the, the, the education and I, I don't have the background and I've got too many mistakes like Simba. Like Disney even knows how powerful this is that this story of showcasing it to humanity will sell millions of dollars. And you know why it'll sell millions of dollars? Because millions of people can relate. That something has happened in our past that made us stop going after our dreams and has given us every excuse in the world as to why we don't have to and no one else is and it really doesn't matter. And here's what God is saying, I think, to everybody in this place, is you better believe it matters. Because Simba, when you were just a little cub, all you thought about, about when you were king, was how amazing it would be to not have anyone tell you to do something. And Joseph, when you had this dream as a young man, all you could think about was how cool it would be to actually have your brothers bowing down to you. But Joseph, when you mature, you will see that the dream was not a dream of success. It was a dream of significance. That one day the reason why your brothers will bow is because they understand without you they would have starved to death. And you will not lord over them. You will save them. And in saving them, you'll save a nation that the Lord Jesus Christ will actually come out of to save all of humanity.
Because your dream, Joseph, it's not about palaces and cars. It's about changing the destiny of other people. And that's why it matters if you go after it. And that's why it matters today if you're not who you know you could be. Why you eliminate every excuse and reason in your life for you to live a hakuna matata kind of life. And to wake up to the fact that you have more you can give this world, more you can give this family, more you can give this marriage, more you can give these kids, more you can give this church, more you can give this nation, more you can give this business, that you wake up and see, I am a man of destiny. I am a woman of destiny. And I will not live for the fact that I am someone who could actually be giving this world more than I am giving it. to live boldly and courageously in who God has designed and created you to be. We need you. Those kids in India, they need you. Those kids in your home, they need you. And they don't need you just breathing air in that home. They need a daddy. And you may have never had one to show you how to do it. But you know what you have? You have a heavenly father. I said you have a heavenly father who can grace you and help you and can remove the past off of you for you to be the man God has created you to be. You're more than what you have become. But just like that line, and just like Joseph, it doesn't mean that that's who you'll ever be. You can make a decision with the help of God, your heavenly Father, to go after the life that you know he has for you. And when you do, You'll change the lives of others. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person who's here. And Father, I just thank you by your grace and by your power that you just help us strip ourselves away from the chains and the strings and the ropes that have tied us. And that you let us be the full expression of who you have called us to be. Father, we thank you. Our past is behind us. Our future is in front of us. Give us the courage to leave the past. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I need a fresh start. I've been like Reuben. I know I'm powerful. I know I'm called. I know I'm anointed, but I have been undisciplined. And like in my life, I have not harnessed my resources I have not been my best. And today, like, I want to turn, but I need help. I need grace. I need mercy. You know what you need? You need God. Because God is big enough to not only give you mercy for your past, but grace for your present. If you could do it without God, you already would have done it. 
But you know what? With the help of God, you can slay any giant that's in your life and remove any chain. We sang it already. You can see walls fall. You can see chains break. But it's only when we surrender to God. What he does not need is your perfection. But what he absolutely requires is your surrender. If you're here today, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and you say, Pastor Joel, I'm gonna make a decision for Jesus. I wanna rededicate my life to him. I wanna give it to him for the very first time. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm not gonna make anyone look at you. But if that's you, would you do something for me right now? All over this building, if that's you, would you raise your hand and surrender our great God all over this building? Hands going up all over the place, in the balcony, on the sides, every wing and every section, hands going up all over the room. Amazing. Now, everybody in here, just pray this prayer with me. You can just repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Though my sins and my mistakes were red like scarlet, your love, Jesus, has washed me whiter than snow. All of my mistakes, all of my sins, all of my faults, all of my failures, you have forgiven them. You have washed me clean. And just like you have forgiven them, I forgive myself. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I say boldly, this is the beginning of the best days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.